The 2021 Future 50 has arrived. And look out, these innovative changemakers aren't content to simply deliver projects. They're coming in strong with their own POV on building a better world. Young people, they're quite driven by purpose. What is the purpose behind my job? Or what value is my job or my project adding to the world? So whether you think of Greta Thunberg in the sense of environmental activism, I think young people are in all these topics that world leaders seem to take however long to try to get to any consensus on, on issues. But young people are actively saying, well, and we don't have to wait for the president to change policy on, on something. We can do something ourselves. And with greater connectivity, they're able to see what other people are doing across the world. The world is changing fast, and every day, project professionals are turning ideas into reality, delivering value to their organizations and society as a whole. On Projectified, we'll help you stay on top of the trends and see what's ahead for the project economy and your career. This is Projectified. I'm Steve Hendershot. The pandemic really shifted our ways of working, but there was another big change. This past year also marked the first time millennials and Gen Z staked their claim as the majority in the global workforce. And they've wasted no time making their mark, as we see in PMI's newly released Future 50 list. It's an impressive group, coming in with bold thinking and innovative solutions on everything from child hunger to new modes of transport. We're going to meet several of them today, and I also had the privilege of interviewing several others for the special Future 50 issue of PM Network. Maybe I'm biased, but I highly encourage you to take a look both at that new issue of the print magazine and also the digital experience at pmi.org future50, where you can go deeper with exclusive audio and video extras. Let's kick off today's episode with a discussion between Future 50 leaders past and present. Part of the inaugural Future 50 group last year, Julissa Mateo Abad is a digital transformation manager at Distribuidora Coripio in Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic and founder of Mujeres TICs RD, or Women in ICT. Our other guest is one of the people on this year's list. Akim Guanya is co-founder of Reframed, an eyewear firm in Berlin focused on designing frames specifically for the needs of overlooked communities. We spoke about why they're passionate about their projects and missions, how they approach project leadership, and how young people are changing the world of projects. You both have some really interesting projects going on, so let's begin with why you're doing what you're doing. What motivated you to pursue the paths you're on? I think about 11 years ago, I was in a conference. And there was a, an architect from Chile, Alejandro Aravena. He worked on a project addressing social housing in Chile. His approach to this problem, at least for me, was in a way that I'd not seen anything like it before, in the sense that he brought humanity to social housing. While I was sitting in the audience and I was thinking of myself as a designer, what impact does my design practice have in the world? And at the time, I was a jewelry design student. And I think that for me was the moment where I realized that I, I wanted to use my practice to sort of make a difference. And so that is essentially why I do, I guess, what I'm doing now. And I try in my design practice to solve a problem that I have encountered before. Of course, I'm not going to end world hunger or poverty as such, but at least if I'm working on something, I would like that project to have some sort of real world impact. I really start this community of girls in tech 
because I once applied for a scholarship to go on an event. And one of the questions from these said, what do you want to do after you come from this event? And at that specific moment, I thought, why should we always let the government to take care of things that we can actually do something about? So I was rejected <laughs> for that event, but I decided to get in touch with many of my colleagues from the university and get to know each other more and see why we are interested in tech and other girls don't. We decided to make a Facebook call, an event, inviting other girls to create the first Girls in Tech event for all of us. And we thought we are going to just reach out maybe 10 or 12 girls. And we actually get more than 100 girls to come to the first Girls in Tech event that we had. From that specific moment, I knew that this was a great project that I want to be on. You're both clearly taking on big roles. What are your philosophies as you lead? In terms of how I see leadership in our project, Ulysse also said, is why wait for the government to do something that you can do something about? And often we also speak about inclusion, participation, and representation. And we speak of all these other industries, whether the tech industry or fashion or design industry. They're not going to change by themselves without external influence. And we can wait for these industries to change, but it won't happen. And the only way these industries can change is through people from the outside of these industries, so Ulyssa as well and myself, actually bring the change that we want to see in the world. That also acknowledging that we ourselves have the ability, just as anyone else in those industries, but importantly, that it is ourselves that will carve out a place in this industry instead of waiting for someone else to open the door for us. So I think that for me is maybe implicit leadership that myself, my partner have taken. At least that's how I think about it. For me, it's the same. I think I used to be so shy. People actually don't believe me right now, <laughs> but I used to be shy because I never thought my opinions were taken into account sometimes. So we as a girl, sometimes we don't trust ourselves so we are expecting others to give us a voice, your voice, your own voice. When I first started with this community, I was really nervous about needing to lead off this girl when you don't even think you are something special. You said, okay, where I'm taking those girls to. I think leadership helped me a lot to get in touch with them, to create other leaders, to make them understand what was the mission. But I think it's really important to take action. Not only think about what you want to do, take action and actually show what you want to do with example. You must be the example for others to really, really take your position for real. If you try to tell them what to do, but you are not doing it, they're not going to believe what you're doing. If you're the leader, you must be a leader by example. So that's the kind of leader that I think I am. I'm the person that is always uh, at the same time, work with my team, trying to get them to understand what they're doing, even in the community and also my work, because I lead around 38 men because there are few girls in this company working. It's hard when you try to tell them something and they see you, you're younger than them <laughs> and also you're a girl. So you must understand you have a voice and you have the knowledge enough 
to really, really, really take care of this company and also the community and get us where we want to be. So that vision must be always there and also being the example you want to be. How have each of you grown as project leaders? I think in terms of project leadership, for me, how do you make the, let's say, the framework democratic? I think by nature, I don't like hierarchies. I'm also not very good of a leader in that respect. I don't want to be in a position of any sort of leadership. I'm just not that person. So if I work with someone, I would always ask, if I have to make a decision, ask my partner, what do you think? And I do the same for Reframed and for all the other projects that we work with. Do you think that's sort of a characteristic of younger teams too, that there's less embrace of the command and control version of team structure? No, definitely. For young people, it's easier to communicate better because we come from this kind of leadership where people is telling you what to do in the projects where this is exactly what we expect. You were just somebody creating what wasn't on other people's head. But now we got this collaboration where young people can bring freshness, I think, for what we are doing. Because sometimes we actually know how to do something. Well, they are always on YouTube of seeing new ways to develop what we are doing. I've been in the software industry for around 10 years. And I can tell you right now, for me, I'm so happy. In my team, there are people that is younger than me because they find ways I never thought in my life were possible to do something. And I let them speak because it's easier. I think when you are working in projects, sometimes we are afraid of failing. But now I think it's good to fail. But you know, not in the same thing. It's good to fail one time in something. And now you know how not to do something. And then you can come to the next error. I think it's amazing to see how can we be capable of using our mind to develop better ways to do what we're doing. I would also add with regards to the project teams, the input from different members of the team and how each input is valued. It's also quite important. When I was doing my master's in London, we worked quite a lot in team-based projects. And that was by design with the assumption that it is very difficult for one person to have a compressive understanding of all aspects of a problem. The master program was made in such a way that it brought together people from an engineering, design, and business. And the intention was to try to bring these individuals from different parts of the world as well into a master program to try to solve real-world problems. And of course, if you are only looking at the world through an engineering perspective, you might miss some elements that are not core to engineering. And if you're only looking at it from a design perspective, you also miss other things. But also you don't just want to make something that works and maybe it has a good user interface, but has no business proposition either, right? You have all these members of a team that are not necessarily better than the other, but they all bring in valuable input. And I think this is the kind of work environment where project teams and maybe it's more common amongst younger people, but this is a mindset that can take place whether you're young or old, it's just a, a mindset that needs to change. And it's valuing that you as a person, you don't have to be the boss of a company to work with someone and you don't have to be in this kind of power dynamic uh, to work. And I think if people are at ease, if I can speak to my boss on a eye-to-eye level, I think I as an employee would be able to give more valued feedback, more valued input to a project. Where are we headed over the course of your careers? How will projects look different? 
the young people now is creating new ways to see things. I think they have another perspective to see things. So I think they are changing the way we do projects right now. We are moving for uh, actually an agile environment where people is working from everywhere like we are doing right now. I think as a project managers, we must be open to work faster and agile in a way we are actually changing every single time, but understanding where we are going to get this organization. Because sometimes if we are just thinking about the way we used to be doing stuff in the past, probably the future is going to eat us completely. So now that we are working toward creating faster deliveries and things like that, it's important as a leader to be open to understand how your team is working, what are their needs, and also try to get them into the project so they know exactly how to respond in any specific time. And I think you can be a project manager even if you are in a different specific field. This is something that we can do even if we are doctors or we are doing things differently because we can actually make sure everything is going okay, we are taking care of the resources, the people, how everything is working together. For me, it's important to be clear, to love what you do. For the future, get agile, look forward to create meaningful projects and do not work just for your job, for the company specific where you are. Work for many organizations that are willing to help others. And at the same time, you can get practice in projects. That's the way I learned how to manage projects, working with social projects. If the past year is anything to go by, definitely more remote work. So that has definitely some pros and cons in terms of project work. Some things you definitely need to be in the same room to execute. So for example, if my partner and I need to create some prototypes or need to have a, a sprint, sometimes it definitely has disadvantages to be physically located in the same location. But this also implies that there will be a need for an even greater connectivity. That is my experience over the past year with Zoom and any other video conferencing software is that there's so many things that go wrong. And sometimes you might have what you think is a reliable connection, but it's just not as reliable when someone else is using your connection in the other room. There will definitely be a need for greater connectivity. But also that also implies as we work more remotely and connectivity becomes more advanced, the collaborative tools that we use also become more sophisticated. I think, at least in, in the design world, where it's quite easy to collaborate, you're definitely going to see more virtual rooms where, I guess you can call design, which is actually already happening, where you can walk around an object and you are designing in real time with someone who's, well, let's say, thousands of kilometers away from you. So I think this will definitely become more mainstream where maybe I put on my VR headset and then I can speak to someone in a virtual room. It's definitely going to allow greater interaction, greater connectivity, more collaboration. At least that's what I think the future holds. It's clear that young people are already making a powerful impact on the world of projects, and some of them haven't even officially entered the workforce yet. Gitanjali Rao is a 15-year-old project leader from Highlands Ranch, Colorado, in the U.S., who is inventing devices, building apps, and inspiring problem solvers of all ages. 
She spoke to Projectified correspondent Sarah Feister-Gale about her journey. You've been inventing things and leading projects for a while. One invention that's gotten a lot of attention is your Tethys device. What does it do and how did you come up with it? It's called Tethys and it detects lead in drinking water faster and more inexpensive than the current tools. And it uses something called carbon nanotube sensor technology to help detect for lead in drinking water. I actually heard about, you know, the work of nanotube sensors on MIT's page where they were using it to help detect for hazardous gases in the air. And I put that back into my work and decided to use carbon nanotube sensors to detect lead in drinking water. Even though it was, you know, a little bit difficult in the beginning, after doing a lot of courses, after reading through a lot of papers, it soon became instinct to me to, you know, want to learn more and read about ideas like this. You have these grand ideas, right? But actually implementing them, getting the money and the materials and the understanding to put it all together is a big challenge. How did you overcome some of that stuff, turning what seemed like a great idea into an actionable product? A lot of that started out with understanding that the innovation process is iterative, right? So it is okay to start with an idea that isn't fully fleshed out. But from there, you know, I created a process, which is observe, brainstorm, research, build, and communicate. And that's how I really started it off and kicked it off. And from then, I built up that motivation to keep going with my ideas and kind of recognize this idea that innovation doesn't have a deadline. So when I start going, I can keep going and there's no one stopping me there. You've also created a service called Kindly that helps detect and prevent cyberbullying. Tell me a little bit about the challenges you faced on that project. One of the biggest things about it was there were multiple beta testing versions. There were multiple versions where it wasn't essentially perfect. You know, it actually took me about two and a half years to completely build it. And some of the biggest challenges that I faced was, you know, building it from scratch because I was still learning about how to completely code apps, how to work with artificial intelligence, which all of Kindly is actually built on. But since then, it's gone a long way. And it really proves to show that perseverance is just how you take it. When you're not going to school and building apps and solving water crises, you also teach workshops and you've done some TED Talks. Tell me about that. I run workshops for students all across the world, and I've impacted about 49,000 students. Every new place is a new set of people and a new group of kids who are excited to learn and excited to make a difference, but maybe just don't know where to start. And I hope that my workshops are able to give them that starting point as well. And yes, I do TED Talks as well as speak with global organizations. And really the goal for that is to vouch for innovation in the early curriculum, as well as equality in education. And in addition to that, just this idea of the importance of youth in the workforce as well. So you're partnering with other organizations like UNICEF at 15. Have you had issues where people don't take you seriously at your age? After a lot of my recognition was built up a little bit more, there was a little bit more seriousness taken into the work that I was doing. But in the beginning, actually, no. And that's really one of the things and examples that I proved to show that it needs to be more of this age versus ability aspect, right? I might not have a PhD, I might not have a degree, but I have that same drive within me that anyone else has to solve problems. And do you think being a girl makes it even harder? I think so. Absolutely. You know, there is that gender barrier and that makes it even more difficult. Like, look at me. I don't look like your typical girl in STEM. I don't look like your typical anyone in science and technology. But really what you need to understand and what anyone needs to understand is this idea that you are who you want to be and no one can change that, right? No one changes that opinion of what you are. 
So what kind of advice do you give to young people who have big ideas, but they don't know how to translate them to real projects? My biggest piece of advice for them is to recognize that it's okay to dream big and then think back to reality, right? Dreams are really just what you make them. So you were kids. We have the time to take those ideas and make it into reality. So do a little something every day to reach up to that goal, but it's okay if it doesn't happen overnight because nothing successful ever happens overnight. The conversations we've had today make it pretty clear that the future is in good hands. And this was just a sampling. If you want to take a deep dive, grab a copy of the new PM Network magazine or head online to pmi.org future50 to learn more about all of these amazing young leaders and the inspiring work they're doing to make the world a better place. Thanks for listening to Projectified. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating or review. We'd love your feedback. To hear more episodes of Projectified, visit Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, or SoundCloud, or head to pmi.org slash podcast.